Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? I'm ready for the executive committee meeting next week. I bet you are, and you haven't even been at this very long. Yeah, when I say I'm ready, I mean I'm really, like, not at all ready. For that. I gotcha. You're talking yeah, like mean, somebody who's only been in the job for a week or two. Oh, yeah, because I've only been in the job for a week. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you get in and you just, I mean, why not hit the ground running? Deep into I the know. pool. Why not just jump into the deep end of the pool straight from the into high dive? An ex- straight into an EC meeting. And an inauguration. Absolutely. So, and then yeah. at that point, Not then, just any EC meeting. <laughs> that's right. And then when it's when it's done, then it'll be like just normal day-to-day yeah. getting Well, all getting the other ready. EC meetings from here on out will be easy, right? Well, they will be inauguration less. Like they won't have a they won't have a big ceremony or or service identified with them. That's true. That's but true. they're always but that's gonna be exciting, important though. and detailed, and they take work always. Yes, absolutely. And also, this past week, we're going to talk about it in just a minute. I mean, a big week in Southern Baptist life this past week, Baptism Sunday. Saw yes. some great results from that, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. We've been talking the past few months or so, or well, maybe not past few months, past few weeks. It's been kind of light news. I mean, last week we had, what, three stories or something like that? Right. And this week, it's just it hit the ground running. We got Baptism Here Sunday, we go. we got EC meeting, inauguration. I'm headed to Kansas City for For the Church. And then after that, all these state convention meetings start, and it's going to just well, be Well, and trustee meetings. Trustee yeah, meetings trustee everywhere. Meetings. Yep. State conventions, so, lots of stuff. You're fixing to get after it, Amy. And you're actually in town. You and I are doing a, a panel tomorrow for the Baptist Communicators Association on podcasting. Yes, we are. So uh, I wonder why they got us to do that. I don't know. I don't know either. You should ask. So, you should ask. I should ask. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I'm in town. I came in a day early for the Baptist Communicators Association officers meeting. So, I'm a, a, a part of that. And this was my first time to, to get to attend that meeting. Are you the parliamentarian? I am not. I, I am not. I'm the uh, program chair for 2021. So, I'm a program chair elect for the BCA workshop in spring of 2021. So this was my first time to come to an officer's meeting and it was delightful. I really enjoyed, met some new people, uh, saw some folks that some, some that I had just dealt with over email before, but got to meet face to face. So it was a lot of fun and uh, was there in the Lifeway building for that meeting. And then tomorrow we're recording this Thursday night. Tomorrow we'll be at the fall forum and um, we're still doing that. You know, we're always what, Miles and miles away. I'm in North Carolina. You're where you are. We're still recording this over a distance. I'm at my um, family's home and, <laughs> and stuff. So technology in helps. County. It, it's actually Robertson County. Those uh, who are around, there's a it's a difference. But anyway, you love to do that to me, um, right? Just just a mile from the county line. Really important to you could to, you could throw a stone into Cheatham County from your house. I. I could, I could. You know, here's a little fact about Robertson County, Cheatham County. The line, there was a dispute as to which side of the bridge it was on over Sycamore Creek. And when the bridge washed out years ago, it stayed washed out for a long time because the counties could not agree on who should fix it. But I don't know how they came to a conclusion on that. But the line is there and I'm in Robertson County. 
So. Okay. Sure. Moving on. If you say recording, so. If you say so. Recording from Robertson County tonight. All right. Well, let's jump into the news this week. We mentioned it just a minute ago, but this past Sunday was Baptism Sunday in the Southern Baptist Convention, and we saw a tremendous response to that. Uh, we tweeted a lot of things from that. I, I was sending some stuff out from Baptist Press as well, but just just great response from churches around the Southern Baptist Convention to Baptism Sunday. Yeah, there's a, a great story. Uh, Diana Chandler wrote a story in Baptist Press this week about it. Some really good pictures in there. One of J.D. Greer baptizing a new believer at Summit, and then another from First Baptist Bowling Green, Kentucky, Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Uh, really, really great stuff in there. Very exciting. First Baptist Woodstock baptized 115 on Baptism Sunday. Um, yep. So just a, a, a lot of churches participated in that. So yeah. I think that's I think exciting. 106 from Bellevue over in Very Memphis. cool. Yeah. And one of the greatest stories, not maybe the greatest in number, but one of the greatest stories I heard, and I, I don't have the detail. I really, really, really wish I had the details of the church, uh, or we would have put it in the story, but... I heard of a church that had not baptized anybody in like three years and filled the tank, trusting God to provide somebody to baptize. And they had eight baptisms last Sunday. That is really neat. That's great. So I was on the phone with a pastor and he had, he had talked to a leader who had, who was relayed that story on. And it just, I was blown away by that. That's pretty awesome. So baptism Sunday for the first time. In, in SBC life, uh, this was a recommendation from the Evangelism Task Force uh, yes. that we remember that was appointed in 2017 that made their report in 2018. But they, they came and, you know, said, Hey, we should have a baptism Sunday. So we did that. And I think the first one and with the, uh, a short ramp, we had a short on ramp for this thing, but, uh, I, I think it did well. It really did, and uh, was a, a real unifying thing, too, to sort of do something that all of these churches choosing to do this on their own, but yet getting to see the work that their fellow churches uh, were doing that they cooperate yep. with. All right. Some other news from this past Sunday. There was an announcement at First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida, that they're going to downsize their 10-block campus to just one block to cut expenses and more effectively serve the city for Christ. Yeah, so this is big news, especially for those who know the history of First Baptist Jacksonville. And uh, it was, this is downtown, 10 blocks that it, that that campus covered. I mean, that's a lot of blocks, by the way. It it really is. And uh, they looked at it, I think, saw deferred maintenance, decline in attendance. Uh, it, in attendance downtown, they had a, have a campus in another location. And, you know, it's just the city changing. They yeah. made that made that decision. So they are going to downsize, launch satellite campuses, do a number of things. The auditorium will be restored to be the church's main worship center as it once was. And then they will renovate um, education space, administrative space, things like that. So this is a very, very big announcement at First Baptist Jacksonville. Yes. And I, I remember going to First Baptist Jacksonville. My aunt lived in Jacksonville when I was growing up. So we would go to First Jack's back in the 80s when they were building and, and growing and just booming. And, you know, we had uh, uh, Homer Lindsay, Jerry Vines were the co-pastors there at that time. And I remember going there and just being awed by how massive that place was. And But Jacksonville, for some reason, the city of Jacksonville has changed differently than a lot of other cities. They don't have the urban renewal that we're seeing as much 
as we're seeing in, in Nashville or Miami or, or, or different cities, even, you know, in Florida. We're not seeing the urban renewal in Jacksonville. It's, it's much more sprawling for some reason. It just hasn't had that, that urban renewal. And, you know, it's first Jacksonville, I think is they're, they're paying the price for the change of the city, it seems. So, yeah, uh, just a fascinating way, but, but hats off to Heath Lambert and the leadership there for recognizing it, making a change, being intentional about it and doing what it's going to take for the church to continue to reach the city. So I, I'm excited to see them you know, making a bold move like this instead of possibly just letting it dwindle away. Yep, very much so. All right, some sad news, Amy, this week. Uh, Southern Baptist pastor Jarrett Wilson took his own life Monday evening. and uh, Just some some awful, awful news. Yes, and, and this this was really tough, and I saw just a ton of conversation on social media. Now, let's be clear, because sometimes there can be some confusion. I'm sure most of our listeners have already heard this, but this is Jared Wilson, who was at Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. He was an associate pastor with Greg Laurie. There is another Jared Wilson who is at Midwestern Seminary. So this is Jared Wilson. It was spelled differently. Jared with the I. Right. But also, uh, you know, very well known, an associate pastor, but also a leader and had been at LifePoint Church in Smyrna, Tennessee uh, as a, a student pastor, really was known as a, you know, speaker and leader and a mental health advocate uh, because a lot of the, the challenges that he faced, he was very transparent about. So this was hard. And I think it, it, we saw a very public conversation happening about it as people just processed the difficulties that those in ministry uh, have and often don't talk about some of the struggles. So, uh, so where our prayers are with his family, I think there's a GoFundMe I saw yeah. that had been started to, uh, to help them. But the Baptist press story we'll put in the show notes and, um, just prayers go out. Uh, yes. And, and also just want to remind folks there, there are pastor hotlines, uh, the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 is available for you as well as a line specifically for pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention, it's at 844-PASTOR-1. So the number one at the end there, 844-PASTOR and the number one. And that is uh, administered by Focus on the Family. North American Mission Board provides that free of charge for Southern Baptist pastors. So those of you uh, who might need that, and that's not just for suicide, that's for just depression or anything uh, that you just need to talk to somebody about. So 844-PASTOR and the number one. Amy, we talked about Dorian last week on the podcast. It kind of zipped up the eastern seaboard there, wound up in Nova Scotia, one of your favorite places. Very much so, yes. Along the way, did a little bit of damage in North Carolina, out there in the Outer Banks, and Southern Baptist disaster relief folks were out in force. This is one of those things that people see very quickly. What did we hear the other day that one of it was a radio host maybe said that yeah. Southern Baptists are faster than the Red Cross on, you know, on, on location. And so it did. Now, we didn't see anything like what was in the Bahamas and some other places, but the Outer Banks got hit pretty hard. Yeah. Southern Baptist Disaster Relief was out again. You can visit nam.net slash hurricane dash Dorian. And we'll put that link in the show notes to donate and then to learn even how to volunteer if you are nearby. 
Yes, and uh, BGR also doing a lot of work in the Bahamas. Right. They're they're kind of taking one of the leadership roles of that down in the Bahamas, helping out just some devastation down there. Some of the pictures that we've seen come through over the internet and everything, just absolute devastation in the Bahamas. So, you know, the, the mainland U.S. really kind of got lucky on this one, but uh, a, a lot of devastation out there in the, the northern uh, Bahamas and uh, just uh, continue to pray for them. And, and to, if you'd like to help out with that, you can find out more at the Baptist Global Relief website. Also, uh, not in the news this week, not a story, uh, but I did talk to a pastor this morning, actually, from South Dakota. Amy, there was a tornado that went through Sioux Falls, South Dakota a couple of nights ago. Yeah, you mentioned that. And the, the warning systems didn't go off. This was Tuesday night it went through, and the, the, the tornado warnings didn't go off, the sirens. And uh, he had a tree, the pastor that I talked to had a tree on his deck. And they, they think they only got straight line winds where he was, but it's just, it's not a normal thing for them to have tornadoes up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You don't really think of that as part of Tornado Alley. I know that's something we're, I wouldn't say accustomed to here in Nashville, but it happens and we know it right. and we're prepared right. for it. But right. uh, that, that area up there. So uh, amazingly enough, the, the tornado sirens did not work, but there was no loss of life that they knew of uh, this Incredible. morning when I was talking to this pastor. So that's uh, fantastic. It just, just a, uh, you know, the, the, another reminder of some disaster relief stuff going on. Uh, and and you know, they, the, his church was out. They were breaking out chainsaws and going out and helping people in the neighborhood. So uh, really trying to help that out. So I think they said three tornadoes confirmed touchdown up in Sioux Falls. But remarkably and thankfully, no loss of life. Wow. Uh, some other news. Had a group of evangelical women, including a, a host of Southern Baptists, went down to the southern border and on September 3rd and 4th uh, down to El Paso, Texas, and to, to really hear the stories of meet uh, those who are working with immigrants and uh, just trying to, to see how maybe Southern Baptists or evangelicals in general can help with uh, kind of this crisis at the border. Yeah, and uh, th- these a lot of friends of mine and, and people that I've met over the last few years were part of this group, women I greatly respect. And so this story was was a, a really, really good one. This is one of those things where it's easy for us, you know, we watch on the news, we read lots of kind of back and forth about what to do. But sometimes you just have to go and see things in person. And it, this was a, a team of women that did that. So it's a it's it's a great story. It was a two-day trip. They visited with churches doing refugee and asylum ministries on both sides of the border. They also talked with border patrol agents, visited a shelter, visited those who uh, were seeking asylum. So they, they really got to speak with everyone that was down there and really think through what compassionate and just solutions are to this crisis. Absolutely. And uh, I, I could talk to Elizabeth Graham, saw her this week. ERLC trustee meeting was this week. We don't have a recap for the episode this week, but she was in town in the building. Yes. I was able to talk to her. She was on that trip along with uh, a couple others from ERLC. I think Chelsea Sobolik was there and some others. But uh, I talked to Elizabeth and she said just a, a moving time. Very touching, yep. very uh, just some, some painful stories from those uh, down at the border. So. Um, that, that is, uh, is, is neat to see that trip take place and, and some of the people that were on that. So, uh, another story here in Baptist Press this week. Uh, it's a recap of the Outreach 100. Amy, something you and I are familiar with. Oh, from yes. our days over at Lifeway. Yes. And, uh, the Lifeway research area that we were kind of a part of at one point. 
And uh, we had 34 churches made it, 17 on the fastest growing, 20 on the largest churches list. Yeah, so there are a a couple of charts with everything that is listed here. You can check it out. We'll link to the Baptist Press story from this week. Some that we would expect to see, you know, Summit Church, um, Saddleback, a lot of the ones that we see often. Brentwood is on there, but then maybe some others that that you're not aware of. Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was planted by the Summit Church, that's pastored by a Southeastern graduate, um, is ranked number 12 among all the churches, and that's the fastest growing Southern Baptist congregation. So just some some interesting, uh, interesting information there. Facts are our friends. Yes, and it, it was it was neat to see some of these, uh, the fastest growing and and also the uh, the largest. So like, you know, Brentwood Baptist, it made the fastest growing list because of their multiplication that they're doing intentionally multiplying it with a uh, multi-site and, and, and the yeah. middle Tennessee initiative. So seeing things like that for a right. legacy, you know, kind of established church being on a fastest growing, you usually think fastest growing as, you know, new rock and church plant kind of place, but to see a church like Brentwood Baptist, who's been around, you know, for 40, 50 years to see that as one of the fastest growing church, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Yes. Also, the church I was married in was on the list, Amy. Well, that's neat. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Very cool. Venture Church. Yeah, that's good to know. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is actually First Baptist Church, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, with a new name. So where Beth and I were married. Kind of crazy. And finally, we have a story. uh, Speaking of large churches, Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, has helped pay off more than $4 million in medical debt for those in East Texas. That's incredible. So I didn't know how this worked. I've been seeing these churches doing this. Yeah. There's a group out there called RIP Medical Debt, like R-I-P, like Rest in Peace Medical Debt. Okay. Uh, and they they go out, and I didn't realize this, but but they buy portfolios of medical debt for basically $1 per 100. So say somebody has $10,000 in medical debt. I'm going to do the math for you, Amy. They okay. can buy that debt for 100 bucks. All right. So that debt, and then the church, so the church gives $100 and your $10,000 medical debt is forgiven, if that makes any sense. That's a great ministry. So you can multiply your, your effort. So with 1% of the medical debt amount, you can pay it off. So uh, I have a friend whose husband's on staff at a church in Evansville, Indiana, and she said that they, they had something like $15,000, $16,000 that they did this with, with this uh, RIP medical debt place. And they were able to pay off like three or four million dollars because it just kept adding up. Just somehow things just kept going, and it, it was like way more. So uh, this this four million dollars, she said, maybe even kind of a, a a low number on the the ultimate number of of how much medical debt they're able to pay off. But it's it's a huge help for people. The church is really you know making a difference in people's lives in, in tangible ways, really helping them out. So. Uh, really neat story here. I, I didn't know about this, the service and how it all worked. I've always wondered like that. I mean, it's like, how does the church come up with $4 million to pay off medical debt? Well, they don't. They come up with 45000 Okay. And that turns into $4 million. So it multiplies. So that's kind of neat. That is really neat. And what a great, what a great thing for a church to do and to kind of learn about and just a new, kind of a new and creative opportunity to help people. Yes, absolutely. So if you're interested in that, the information's in the article over at Baptist Press. So, uh, a really, really neat story like that. So, um, loving that, uh, that kind of 
community impact that churches can make for literally pennies on the dollar. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1971. And uh, it's the September 10th issue of Baptist Press. I saw two stories that actually jumped out at me. The first one was the one that really caught my attention. And then I got to the the other one and thought, well, I'm going to have to throw this in too. So the second story in that issue is Texas pastor retires, and that's in quotes, retires by starting new Colorado church. And uh, it starts out that Carol Jackson, 65 years old, preached his retirement sermon at Fairview Baptist Church in Copperas Cove, Texas. It says he allowed himself two days to be on the mission field in Colorado. And so he's, he was quote, retired after 40 years in the pastorate plans to start the first Baptist, the first Baptist church in Pueblo West, Colorado. So this is a planned community that, uh, had only two, had only 150 homes at the time, but had the goal of 90,000 people. He depart, he left after his official retirement, but said, if I get moving, I can have them all visited by Sunday. His son was, um, pastor of North Phoenix Baptist Church. And there's a land developer in that church that was, that, that was helping build the church, Pueblo West Community Church. And I love it. It said, since Jackson qualifies for social security income, he will serve until the church gains sufficient membership and financial strength to support a pastor. So he said, I feel like I'm doing something with my retirement years rather than just fishing. And it's just, it was just a really neat story. I thought, what a great uh, inspiration to just keep going. So I liked that, but then I got to the next story, and uh, it's a story in Malawi about a language school for Southern Baptist missionaries, and it said they had a most unusual student, a 15-inch long chameleon, likes to sit on the leg of one of the chairs in the room, and so apparently whenever they would come, uh, there we go, I knew that was coming. Uh, the, The thing I think is funny is it said from the newsletter, it's harmless, but... No one wants to share a seat with it. So they named him... Well, if it's a chameleon, how could you see it, right? That's fair point. Fair point. Um, 15 inches long. Said his tongue measured 14 inches in length. Huh? That I, I don't understand, but tongue measures 14 inches in length. Made the headline say, with a tongue like that, he probably is a Baptist. And I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I don't even understand that headline. Same. But... We'll just throw that out. Let's just say I would that would not make it through the current Baptist Press editorial process. <laughs> yes, yes. So in the language in the language that the missionaries are studying, his name they had named him Chirambo, which means wild beast, and it said that uh, the missionary there did not interpret the significance of the name or the Chirambo's qualifications to sit in on the language school classes. So uh, great inspiration of a pastor in retirement going on to plant another church. And uh, just a little bit of an interesting story there yeah. at the end. Chameleon joining language class seems like pretty regularly. So you, you know what the chameleon spiritual gift was, right? I'm going to just let you go with this. I have no idea. The gift of tongues. Oh, there you go. 
Yep. All right. I'm I I don't even that's that's a debate I don't even want to get into. So we're gonna keep going. And uh that's what they were talking about this week in SBC history. Fantastic. All right, that's gonna bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is uh my resource and really this is my resource because the one that you're going to share was going to be my resource, but you took it. So He who makes the script Gets to pick his resource. I know, I know. So I'll let you have that one. I'm going to share a little video. It's a short documentary, about three and a half minutes, that Southeastern produced a few years back. Maria Estes, who was our just incredible photographer, also did some videography documentary production. Uh, she did several short docs about our students and graduates. And she did one on Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro, North Carolina and Andrew Hopper. So it's called Go. We, those, our titles were Go and then had a subtitle and this was Planting a Missions Minded Church. So I just thought that would be kind of cool since that was the one on the fastest growing list. Yeah. The, the number one Southern Baptist fastest growing church or, you know, the highest yeah. on the list of Southern Baptist churches. That's pretty cool. Right. So we'll, we'll put the link, we'll put the link there and you can see, like I said, it's, it's a few years old, but it'll kind of tell you a little bit about the heart of what they were doing there. All right. Go ahead with your resource, which I want to say I got it this week. I got my copy. I'm very excited, but I'm going to let you have this one because you already put it in the script. Yes. And it, actually it would be a combo resource. We, we do that sometimes and we, we yes. love this resource. It's called The Promises of God Storybook Bible. It's by a good friend of the pod, Jennifer Lyle, uh, worked with us at Lifeway, and she has written a storybook Bible. And I'm, I'm just going to read the back here because it does a better job of summing it up than I could. It says, Noah's Ark, Joseph's Dreams, Jesus' Miracles. The Bible is rich with stories for our children to hear and enjoy. But when those stories uncover the thread of God's promises, our children learn much more than individual Bible stories. They discover how God has demonstrated his love for us from the first promise in the garden to the promise of the new heavens and earth. A, a conversational, whimsical, bi biblically faithful retelling of more than 50 key Bible stories, the Promises of God Story Bible lets your child hear favorite stories with new ears, repeatedly assuring them that each word is proof of God's unstoppable love and unbreakable promises to his people. So, Man. I, I, it's, it's just fantastic, by the way. Um, I'm so excited about this. And let me tell you what makes me excited. About a year ago, and Jennifer may not even remember this, about a year ago, I was in town and uh, had stopped by to visit her. A, a friend and I had gone by her house and she had her computer up and she said, I'm working on a project that has been something I've been dreaming about for a long time. And all I could see on the computer was an Excel spreadsheet and it had Bible passages and stories listed. And that's, I had no idea what it was. So all I knew was she had a project she'd been dreaming of, uh, had wanted to do. And she was really excited about, and I knew it had stories in it. And now this week to get my copy and to actually put my hands on it. Um, I just could not be more proud. I'm really excited. Yeah. Spoiler alert, what she does with the, the crucifixion and Easter and how yes. she ties in this, the promises there. I've never seen that done in a storybook Bible, and it's phenomenal. So you'll have to buy it and check it out to see what I'm talking about. I'm not going to spoil it. It's that good, though. Highly recommend That's it. That's awesome. Yes. Highly recommend it. Yes. We'll put a link so you can order it today. Yes, absolutely. So I, I hands down recommend this one. It's phenomenal. So I, I my kid, uh, my kids have enjoyed it. So I have kids that like this actually appeals to Amy, unlike you. 
So um, they, so they hold think on, it's pretty hold cool. On, hold on. I, let's just be clear. My kids are teenagers, and yeah, this is targeted at children. The way you said that, like, I have kids that, you know, a book about Love Jesus, actually. Like it, yeah. Um, so let's just make that clear. That I didn't mean were, it that way. You were speaking about the age demographic, yes. not about but that. this would still be, it's a still a good read for adults too. I yes. think that's yeah. the sneaky thing about, I mean, we talked about this with the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's the same thing with the Promises of God Storybook Bible that, yeah, it's for kids, but I tell you what, I still get something out of them whenever I read them. So. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. EC meeting next week. Follow along at SBCExecCom on Twitter. That's at SBCExecCom, C-O-M-M. On Twitter and on Facebook, on Instagram, we're rocking the the social media now with all that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll have a lot of information live tweeting from the inauguration as well as the EC plenary meetings, and uh, that's about all I can tweet from because everything else they don't let me tweet. So um, it'll be fun though. I can't wait. I'm excited. And the, and a there's a reason. Anyway. There's a reason for that. Yeah. That's, there's there's rules. Procedural and yeah. is and that's normal. That's not just. Yes. Let's just be clear. I couldn't do it before anyway. Right. So. That's that's and that's normal for standing committees and for process Roberts rules, things like that. A lot of times these subcommittees, they're background only, they're not, you know. So Yeah. Just gotta lay it out, so, explain all of it. So Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't want to do anything to get me in trouble. So but I, I'm telling I, will, you, I cannot <laughs> wait. You haven't been to the building yet. I cannot wait for you to see the new the all the, the changes that have happened and just the new decor, the new look in the SBC building. You won't recognize it. Awesome. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. We'll see you next week, folks. All right. See you next week.